Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Brownology podcast and in this episode we're going to be talking about being locked down and living with our families. So at the moment the sun was shining in the UK and things are kind of looking hopeful with the restrictions being lifted across Scotland, Wales and England. However, in mainland Europe, it's kind of looking a little bit different. So there is some levels of uncertainty around how, especially in the UK, we are going to navigate the easing of the restrictions of the lockdown. So in this week's episode, I wanted to spend some time thinking with you, reflecting with you about what it's felt like to have been locked down with your family. Now, I'm a parent and I live in my own home and I parent small humans. So I'm aware that this episode isn't based on the experience that I've had. However, this episode is for you if you're a not so small human who's living with a much older human. And I guess it's a chance really to reflect on what the challenges have been, and also what the good things have been as well. So let's have a think about why this is and what we can do to help you if you have been struggling. So what the most interesting statistic I have found when I was reading up around, you know, young adults living with their parents was that actually you're not alone. There are approximately 3.5 million young adults currently living with their parents. And, you know, I've been there. I was living with my mum when I left university and I also lived with my in-laws post-marriage. So I know what this feels like. And, you know, growing up, you might have seen your white friends moving out of their parents' house, living their best life. However, for South Asians, it's a really different thing. There is this sort of assumption that being brown, you have to stay with your parents. And there is this idea around being interdependent. So what that basically means is that you rely on each other and you need each other. And what lockdown has done for many young adults who may have moved out for jobs or university is that they have been forced to move back home, even when they've been living away. And this might be due to fear of contracting the virus, a loss of a job. And like I mentioned before, that university is closing or, you know, not providing any lectures. And there is this notion that, you know, when things happen, home is safe and being with the family is safe. I guess we question that. So what we know in a recent article that I read was that actually a lot of young adults are quite content with living with their parents. And this was a study done within a white American sample. And the notes or the link to the reference is you can find it in the notes. And this 
preference, this preference of this living arrangement talked about how young adults actually liked living with their parents because the parents made it very accommodating and that how the parents actually liked having their kids around for various reasons because it was nice to have the company. And I keep thinking back, you know, that what is it that actually makes that situation so comfortable? What is it, what are the the things that you need to have in place in order to make this multi-generational living arrangement work? And a lot of this really that the the paper really discusses is how actually there is a lot of um, compromise in terms of who does what and how it's done and there's this mutual respect and also a opportunity for these young adults to grow and offer their opinions. Not quite what the thing that happens in South Asian families, which is where I think the problem often lies or where the conflict lies. Now, back in the 80s, studies were done when young adults were living with their parents. There was this sort of idea that back in the 80s, young adults just wanted to move out straight away. And this was often to do with generational differences. And I can't help but wonder whether this is still the case for South Asians today. Now, most South Asians may have parents that hold differing value systems to them. And this is to do with the fact of the way that we identify our ethnicity, our you know, values, our belief systems, and it's to do with acculturation as well. And we know there's been tons of studies that have looked at how young adults describe this cultural conflict between what is expected of them at home and what is expected of them beyond that front door, of how there is this difference between um, East and West Indian or South Asian values versus uh, Western English Eurocentric values. And that's a really difficult position to hold because, you know, for, for many of us who have been bought, brought up in the diaspora, we have one side of us that's telling us to be uh, to hold free speech and autonomy, and the other side is telling us to celebrate unity and respect for elders and to um, not speak out um, against our elders. A study by Anissa Sharif way back in 2009, explores this within a Canadian sample of how there's this huge cultural conflict and how many young adults feel like they become so uh, impacted by this tension of East and West, this tension between collectivist and individualistic value systems. I want to think about how this has now been exacerbated by the lockdown and by having you know young adults experience uh, lockdown and, and what it has felt like for them so what we know about south asian families particularly in the diaspora particularly in the uk as well is that most south asian families are more likely to have parents who come who come from you know a skilled trade a manual trade 
a service role or a retail or caring position. So for many of these families to work, to earn your keep is, is, is part and parcel of, of what it's like to be a South Asian living in the UK. That's not everybody, but, but most. And this also means that they've had to go out to work because they may be classified as a key worker, for example. And let's also think about the large South Asian workforce who are doing what they can to support the healthcare system. So these are doctors, our nurses, our healthcare assistants, our porters, people in the kitchen staff. So all of these people who are keeping our country going because they are classed as key workers and they are doing a great job. So thank you. And if this is your family, you know, you're having to deal with this. You're also probably going to have a family member who may be shielding due to an underlying health issue. As I mentioned this in a previous episode, that South Asians have a a higher likelihood of having diabetes, chronic heart uh, condition, and so forth. So we know we have this health inequality issue going on. So we've got this additional stress here. And then South Asian families are more likely to live in a multi-generational family household or are going to be caring for somebody who may have either a health issue or are elderly. So we have all these pressures going on being in it, living in a South Asian family. And we also know that from across the board, South Asian, South Asian or not, that women are reported increased stresses such as, you know, additional caring duties, homeschooling, maintaining jobs, and also household duties. And an exploratory paper, qualitative paper, discusses this from a Gujarati Indian sample of women. Again, the paper is, you know, the link to the paper is in the show notes. And the things that they were talking about were very similar issues to what women in the UK or women in the US or women in um, any other country may be experiencing, where they are having to balance their identity, their workload, the uh, pressures of maintaining this, um, being this support system to their to their children, to their husband, to their in-laws and to their family. So all this real kind of fine balancing stuff. But there is limited space for these women to express or to manage their own psychological needs. So we've got this all going on. And then we've got the additional strain and stress of dealing with uncertainty in all aspects of, of you know, um, our lives. So, for example, job instability, the fear of catching COVID. What would happen if we do get it? Who's going to care for us or who's who's going to look after the children? Um, to increase care duties, as I mentioned before, and food scarcity. And let's be real here that food scarcity is a thing. We saw it when, you know, people were bulk buying pasta and toilet roll. But for for many South Asians who have had to deal with food scarcity within their within their um, historic experience, you know, if you think about the parents that came from the double migration of East Africa, they may have come from may have come from experiencing very little and having to work extremely hard to 
to you know live and to feed themselves and similarly back in 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 the south asian countries you know india pakistan bangladesh that these families may have our parents our grandparents may have genuinely had to experience food scarcity so for 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 them to be experiencing this concept that we might not be able to access food that that was real like that was real for many parents and i could see that fear being set in in that specific generation of we need to bulk buy we need to make sure we've got this food coming in because that came from a place of deep fear and you know if you think about it instinctively as is a survival mechanism that is 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 going to trigger because we all need to eat to survive and you know we think about maslow's hierarchy of needs we've got our shelter we need food we need food to survive so you know we 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 need to hold space for that fear i guess and show compassion to it so that's our parents generation or the older older generation but what about the younger generation and what's what i found is that having been on instagram and you know seeing all these uh, social spaces where young people hang out i don't know whether i class myself as a young person anymore but it's it's what i'm seeing is that you know you guys are so much more open about your experiences you're more likely to express the way you're feeling and this is probably because of how we are so much more open and expressive when it comes to psychological impact our mental health our well-being and you know we can see how um people are more likely to discuss the way that uh they are struggling with their identity and struggling with how this conflicts with their parental expectations and there's been some really interesting um literature around this in a research in an article um in Galdem uh what our, our, the writers spoke about was how as a female as a south asian female she felt this idea that 2020 was a year that got wasted and you know reflecting on that i just think to myself wow a year wasted and for many young people the pressure especially women or especially young women south asian women there is this pressure that every year is precious and that there is this timeline that we had have to adhere to so you know you may have left university like this the the writer was was writing about that she'd left university and there was all these conversations around marriage and how you know there was this pressure now to get married because all her cousins and family members were doing the same and how covid or the lockdown had seriously stunted the um opportunities for that to happen and you know when we when we think about how that must be affecting you know young south asian women that's hard because they're living in an environment where this pressure is constantly being expressed and it may be an exact opposite feeling to how and what they want in their lives so that real pressure cooker experience is is so there and you know i i see this all the time especially within 
social media accounts that discuss this, of the pressure of being locked down, the pressure of not being able to see friends, the pressure of not having an outlet, the pressure of really not having choice or freedom. And lockdown has so has, has almost kind of exacerbated this to another level. And I remember Pink Ledoux's campaign that, that spoke about this very openly, where, you know, the hashtag brown and lockdown, it was a real thing. Like for many South Asian women, young women, being restricted, being locked down in many ways is the norm. And that the lockdown of COVID had just just put an extra layer on top of that, really. I also want to think about those people that, you know, the section of the community that are double-binded by their identity. And a paper by Rossi Jaspal in 2021 wrote about how the pressures of COVID and lockdown had on the South Asian um, gay community. And he looked at how there was such a huge fear of, of, of you know, straddling this double identity. And the research talked about how there was this fear of involuntary disclosure of their gay identity and how there was an anxiety around relationships and how to cope with, you know, managing relationships. And also the fear and anxiety around coping with casual um, sexual encounters. How do, how, you know, how is that done in, in an environment where your sexual identity has to be masked and hidden because of fear of being found out? And I, you know, and the ways in which this particular community demographic has coped has been to conceal and hide. And that extra pressure to do so and the fear of being found out was, is, you know, it's real, it's there. And it's going to have a detrimental impact on your psychological well-being. Of course it is. And I think that when many South Asian young people are constantly in the um are in close proximity to their parents there is that fear of what if they hear what i'm saying what if they find out about the things that i'm doing that are authentically me and this can be anything you know this can be about boyfriends relationships partners this can be about hobbies interactions you know these are the parts of us that often Many South Asians will feel that they can engage in outside of the house, outside of the door. But what happens to, you know, this, this when that door has suddenly been locked and you can't go out and express and be just you? And we know that interaction and living our values is essential to our development as young adults. And to not have that, to not have your friends, to not have that, that sort of um, affirmation of who we are is massively detrimental 
to uh, to who we are, who we want to be. And, you know, I think about all those uni students who've gone to uni to go and experience life, to learn about themselves, to get a sense of who they are. That has been taken away and that's a huge loss. I've only just touched and scratched the surface of what's been happening in these particular households and in the South Asian household. You know, I've not even touched on for those that, that might be looking to get married, for those that, you know, have, have wanted to go off and travel and, and so forth, that all of this stuff has been put on hold. And, you know, I can't help but hold space for you. I feel like that for many of us, our life has been that we've pressed pause. But I would also say that I also have heard of stories of innovation and connection, which has been done via social media. I've got to say, as much as it's been demonized, it's also a brilliant thing. And I've seen all these accounts pop up discussing things that have been really deep and meaningful. And for me, that is wonderful to see how creative you have been in your discovery of your sense of who you are as a British South Asian or as a South Asian in the diaspora. For those who may not have found creative ways in which you can connect to your values and your identity, there is support out there. And if you feel you are struggling, please seek help. There are various resources that I will um, connect down in the notes section. There is peer support as well. There are amazing accounts out there that are doing their best to provide peer connection. And, you know, this, what I've been saying throughout this whole time is we've got to find ways in which we can reconnect to our values. We've got to look for allies. Who are our allies? Who are the people in our lives that can really advocate for us if we can't do that for ourselves? Could it be a cousin? Could it be a friend? Could it be an aunt? Could it be somebody who is connected to the family that will be able to speak to our parents when our parents feel who may not, you know, who may not be ready to listen to us? We need to be helping our parents to understand that this has been hard on everybody and that by using things that have been happening in the media, to discuss and learn from each other around mental health, around suicide, about those taboo topics that we feel like we often sweep under the carpet. We need to start to normalize emotions, that emotions are okay and are safe to discuss. Nobody is going to have a panic attack if we talk about having panic attacks. You know, we need to be expressing the way we feel, good, bad, and ugly, whatever they are and that we recognize them in each other. And if you feel like you need to, you know, you want to have these conversations with your parents around the way that you feel, please do the work, please do the education so that you are equipped with the information and you can share this with your parents or share this with your family. Because we are all learning, we are all still doing this work together. And that if you can do this, You've not only equipped yourself, but you're equipping your parents or your family with information that they may not initially understand. But by using language that they can connect to, 
is a way in. And the last thing we want is for people to feel isolated or feel like they are, you know, the uh, problem in any scenario. We are all in this together. I hope that you found this episode helpful in any way. I know that this is a huge topic that I could spend hours discussing and there isn't, you know, one straightforward answer to deal with how do we live in families that feel quite oppressive or feel difficult or feel that, you know, they conflict with our values. But I would say that starting with a conversation or starting with boundaries are often the best places and if we educate ourselves in the way that we can handle our emotions when we become triggered that is that is often the best way because we haven't been brought up with the skills or tools to do this because our parents weren't equipped with it and as i've always said that we are the generation change we are the generation which is going to equip our future generations with the things that we never had because our parents came from very difficult circumstances where all they had to do was to survive. They had to just make it through. They had to build the foundations and they've built the foundations and we are now part of the bricks and mortar where we build upwards and we build skyscrapers because we have now the tools to do so. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today about this topic. And like always, if you found this episode helpful in any way, don't forget to subscribe and drop me a message if you want to engage in conversation around this. And let me know if you want me to discuss any other issues around um, the South Asian experience and being in lockdown. It's been great speaking to you. Take care. My name's Dr. Tina Mystery and you've been listening to the Brownology Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Brownology podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Tina Mystery, the Brown Psychologist. You can find me on Instagram, which is at Brown Psychologist. I'm also on Twitter at Brown Psych. So follow me, uh, send me a review if you're feeling really kind and generous. Subscribe, send me any messages of what you would like to hear in the episodes. This is all about us collaborating and having conversations about the way we feel about mental health in the South Asian community. And for those who don't know, we have also recently launched the Another Mother Story project, which is a project all around South Asian mothering. So do please check us out. You can find us on Instagram at Another Mother Story. Also, we have our website, www.anothermotherstory.com. So we look forward to receiving any submissions that you may want to uh, share with us. So please feel free to um, have conversations with family members or friends. Um, Spread the word. It's really about us trying to get as many stories and perspectives as possible. Just to remind you that any resources will be found on the show notes. So please make sure you check that out with regards to each episode that we create. And I will see you in the next episode.